Well, there's not much left of 2018. It's almost over. How was it? Was it any good? Not bad? I hope that as you're thinking about 2019, that you're approaching it with some excitement. Are you excited about 2019? Yeah. All right. Yesterday, what's it, more birthdays? Yeah, there are some of us who are not as happy about that as you are. There, in fact, there are a lot of 39-year-old women in this room who aren't going there, just so you know. Um, yesterday, Megan and I flew back from the south. We had gone last, uh, well, we went on Christmas Eve day. On the 24th, we, we flew down. Robin had gone a few days before us, and she's coming back a few days after us because she's got a full two weeks plus or so to be down with grandkids, which I really envy for her. I'm, I'm grateful, but I do envy her about that. Um, and so yesterday we were flying back, had a great time with our family. It was absolutely wonderful. Um, gave, the, gave the grandsons rollerblades for Christmas because we want them to be hockey players. And there's not much ice down there in Little Rock, so I don't know how that's going to work out, but rollerblades is kind of like the, the best substitute. So anyway, we're flying back yesterday, and on the plane from, uh, from Dallas to Vancouver, Meg and I were, uh, we couldn't sit together. She was a seat behind me and over to my left, and I was uh, a seat ahead of her, obviously, and to her right. And there was a lady to my right who was uh, flying to Vancouver. She was from Mexico, and she was going to see her children and grandchildren. And I, you know, uh, nowadays, of course, on, on flights, you can watch movies. So I'm watching a movie. I'm watching Mission Impossible Fallout, which is the most recent Tom Cruise Mission Impossible movie. So I kind of get into those, and I was enjoying that. But I noticed that she was watching the same movie. She was a little bit ahead of me in the, in the, uh, in the movie. She might have been 10 minutes ahead of me or something, but I, we were watching the same movie. And it wasn't very long until in the middle of the, of the flight, it wasn't turbulence. It was the lady next to me who was responding to the movie. And so every time something would happen, like I don't know if you're like this or not, but um, like there would be, you know, someone would be in a fight, you know, or uh, someone's about to fall off a cliff, or at one point there are some helicopters that go over a cliff, they kind of, they hit the ground and roll and they're going to go over the cliff and Tom Cruise, of course, is holding the helicopter up by one arm or something, you know, keeping it from falling into the depths. And um, every time that a punch was thrown or someone would hit the ground or the helicopter hit the ground or there was an explosion or whatever, she would make some kind of response. And so during the whole flight, she, was, she had headphones on, but during the whole flight, she was going, oh, 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 during the whole thing. And then she would utter some words in Spanish. <laughs> and I, like, I could, you know, I could barely track exactly what was going on. I mean, I was watching my own movie, but, like, it was, it was comical to, to experience it with her at the same time. Quite a display. Now, I was not experiencing it exactly the way she was, and there was a very good reason for that. Okay, I'm watching the same movie, but I wasn't doing the same kind of things that she was doing. Okay? There was a reason for that. Take a guess what it was. No, I didn't fall asleep. I watched the whole movie. What's that? How would I know what was coming? No. <laughs> that, would, that, would have, that would have worked, but that's not the answer. What's that? 
I had seen it before. It's exactly right, Charles. I'd already seen the movie. And so I actually it was interesting because I can anticipate what she was going to do based on what I knew was coming. So I watched my own movie, but I was kind of watching hers too. Just, and I'm thinking, okay, there's about to be this, and she's going to respond like this. I got to kind of watch this. So it, something how I could, I could tell, you know, what was going on just by her, her response. Well, I don't know what's going to happen in 2019. I knew what happened in 2018. I can reflect on that. I've got some feelings about 2018, but I don't know exactly what's going to happen about 2019. What exactly is going to take place? How is the Lord going to bless us? What are the ways in which our church is going to flourish or not? What's going to happen in 2019? Will it be any different than 2018 was? And then maybe a a more important question is, what's going to determine that? What is going to determine 2019 for our church as opposed to 2018? And I have an answer in mind. But I want, what I want you to do right now is to reflect on that question. What is it that is going to most impact our church in 2019 in terms of whether we flourish, whether or not there is great blessing? Um, you know, 2018 was a good year in a lot of ways. Like we had, we've had more baptisms in 2018 than any year since I've come. Why is that? And what's going to determine our success in 2019? Now, I don't know what you're thinking. You could be thinking some things like this. What, what is, <laughs> what's going to determine our fruitfulness in 2019? Could it be the faithfulness of our calling? That's certainly a possibility. It could be the willingness of our hearts. Like if we have really willing hearts to do the Lord's will. That could determine some success on our parts as a church. What about clarity of vision? That could have an impact. If we have a clear vision for who we are, who God wants us to be, who we want to be, that could impact us for sure. Our effective strategizing and planning, that would have an impact. If we do a great job of strategizing and planning, we might be more successful as a church in terms of doing the Lord's will than we otherwise would be could be the soundness of our methodology and practices. If we've got some great plans methodologically, if we really know what we're doing, if we do it well, that could impact the work we do. Our willingness to make sacrifices. So if our hearts are willing to give to the Lord, that could impact us for sure. Our giving of our time and our resources, which is kind of like our sacrifices, but specifically with times and resources, that could impact how we do in terms of our success, and our love for the lost. Do we really love the lost? That might determine who we are and what we do as a church. And then something like our commitment to discipleship. All of those things could greatly impact what we do with 2019. But that's not what I picked. That might be something that you picked. Maybe one of you said, this is the key to our success in 2019. But it's not what I picked. What I picked was actually something that's very familiar to us because in the fall of 2017, we spent the whole fall focusing on this one thing. The fall of 2017, we went weeks talking about this from September through December, 
we talked about one thing. Anybody remember what it was? Prayer. It was about prayer. From September through December, we talked about prayer in the fall of 2017. Then, in November and December, if you remember, we prayed. We started praying at the beginning of November, and I asked all of us to pray, and to pray diligently for a couple of months. And lo and behold, we had more baptisms in 2018 than any year since I've been here. And I think that it could be simply because we prayed. Because we inquired of the Lord. Because we asked Him to bless us. And we were open to His will. So as we approach 2019, we ask the question, what is it on which our ability to bring in the kingdom, to bring in kingdom kind of things and to flourish and to do the kind of things that God wants us to do, on what does that depend? And I would say that more than anything, it has to do with something like this word, inquiry. And that's what we're looking at this morning. This is the final lesson in our series on neglected treasures. One of the things that the Jews did was they would inquire of the Lord. They would ask for him to be with them, for him to bless them, to bring them into his presence. And because they ask those things, God oftentimes, of course, would bless them, and it was dramatic. Now, there's not a huge difference between inquiry and a whole bunch of other things. Like asking and seeking, knocking, discerning, praying, looking for answers to come from God. And then a phrase that I love. This is one of my favorite phrases when I write, I think in these kinds of ways, is this notion of God dependency. And oftentimes churches are just not as God-dependent as they need to be. But when we are God-dependent, when we say, God, we can't do this on our own, we need you. Would you please come and do something? Then God is open to that. God wants to come when we admit that we can't do this on our own and how badly we need him. Then he wants to come and bless us. Well, there are some classic examples of this kind of inquiry in Scripture. Times when God would come and do something. And, and listen to the prayers and the requests of his people. We're going to look at these, a few of these here in just a moment. I want you to turn, first of all, to Exodus 32. Exodus chapter 32, verses 7 through 14. This is the case where Moses has gone up onto the mountain and he's asked, well, God has, has chosen to give him the Ten Commandments. Moses wants very much for the nation to be guided by God's will. But it says in verse 7 that something was going on. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down because your people, whom you brought up out of Egypt, have become corrupt. They've been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They've bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Which was just so wrong. 
I've seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, they're stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. It's interesting that God says, leave me alone. Like, don't talk to me, Moses. Don't hassle me right now. I want you to leave me alone. And Moses doesn't listen. Moses sought the favor of the Lord, his God, in verse 11. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought up out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. I will give your descendants all this land I promised them. It will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. This is fascinating. God apparently listens to Moses. It looks from the story, and and I know there's all kinds of debate about these kinds of questions. What does God's foreknowledge entail? How intent is God always on doing his will? He knows these things in uh, in advance. Can he be persuaded to change his, his will? Like, we wrestle with these kinds of questions. At least on the surface, you have to admit, it looks like Moses gets God to make a different decision than what God was planning to do. You say, well, yeah, but God knows what's right, and he's always going to do what's right beforehand, so how is it that he can make a decision that's different than what he was going to make? Like, we can ask those questions, but here it seems as though Moses says to God, don't do this. He inquires of God, please, won't you change your will? And God says, yes, I will. And he relents, it says, and decides not to destroy the people. Well, that tells me that God has some kind, at the very least, of a listening ear. He's willing to listen. It might be that he was planning all along that he wasn't going to destroy them. He just wanted Moses to pray. I can't answer all the questions there. They're difficult questions. But I can say this at least. God chose not to destroy the people, apparently because he has some kind of listening ear. He listened. Well, that's exciting to me. It's exciting because it... For me to to know that my God, who is the the creator of the universe, is willing to listen to me and to our church and the things that we ask of him, isn't that exciting? What if we prayed and God listened and did what we ask? And we were asking for good things. Wow. That can make for a really good year. Flip over the page, chapter 33, verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You've said, I know you by name and you've found favor with me. If you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. That's a great prayer. Moses is praying a great prayer. And if God answers that prayer, that's, that's really cool. Verse 14, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And so Moses wants God to be with him and God says, I will be with you. I'm going to send my presence. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me with your people and from all the other... uh, 
me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth. What's going to distinguish us unless you're with us? And so he's just begging God to please be with them. The Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. So Moses, I mean, Moses is just like, he's just, give me this, Lord, give me this, Lord, give me this, Lord. And the Lord keeps giving it to him. Yes, Moses, I will. Here he says, show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you can't see my face, for no one may see me and live. So God knows, I can't show you all my glory here. It'll kill you. But I'll, I'll do something. So in verse 21, it says, Then the Lord said, There's a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I'll put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back. But my face, you can't see it. So God is simply answering every prayer that Moses seems to ask here. And I love the fact that Moses says to God, Give me your presence. And Moses says, or God says, Yes, I'll give it to you. What if God's people were constantly praying, Come and visit us. Come and be with us. Stand beside us. Be here, God. And they were open to God's presence. I just can't help but think that good things wouldn't happen if God's presence were with us in that way. Now I want you to go to 2 Samuel 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7. And this is the story when uh, David wants to build the temple. I'm going to build the temple. And God says, no, you are not going to be the one to build my temple. So David's got questions. Okay, then, you know, who am I and what are you doing through me and what's going to happen? And in verse 18, he prays to the Lord. Then King David went in, sat before the Lord and said, who am I, sovereign Lord? And what is my family that you've brought me this far? It's because God continues to bless him. And David's just pouring his heart out to God saying, why me? Why have you chosen me? Why do all these good things come upon me? And as if this were not enough in your sight, sovereign Lord, you've also spoken about the future of the house of your servant. And this decree, sovereign Lord, is for a mere human. Like you're blessing me in this way and I'm just a human being. What more can David say to you? For you know your servant, sovereign Lord, for the sake of your word and according to your will, you've done this great thing and made it known to your servant. How great you are, sovereign Lord. There is no one like you, and there's no God but you, as we've heard with our own ears. And who is like your people Israel, the one nation on earth that God went out to redeem as a people for himself and to make a name for himself and to perform great and awesome wonders by driving out nations and their gods from before your people, whom you redeemed from Egypt. You've established your people Israel as your very own forever, and you, Lord, have become their God. And now, Lord, keep forever the promise you've made concerning your servant and this house do as you promise so that your name will be great forever and he's praying god please do something with my my lineage and my history just the way you've said fulfill the promise that you've just made to me and of course god does because although there's not historically always a king on david's throne ultimately jesus comes as the fulfillment of that very promise to david that you will be a king for Israel, that there'll always be someone on your throne. And that comes in the person of the Son of God. 
It comes in the person of Jesus. God answers David's request, his inquiry. God, can you do this for me? Will you not bless me as your servant? And God says, yes. Now I want you to turn to Psalm 51, or 71. And I just want you to listen to the language here. What this is, is a, it's like a, it's the prototypical kind of prayer. And not just prayer words, but attitude. As one comes before the Lord and inquires. What would happen if we approached God with this kind of perspective as we started 2019? Psalm 71. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, rescue me and deliver me. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of those who are evil and cruel. You know, there are some of us who had a tough 2018. Um, Miles was back here earlier after the first service, and I said, Happy New Year, and he said, you know, I'm really looking forward to 2019 because 2018 was not a good year. I mean, his, his daughter got married. That was a good thing for sure. But it's in 2018 that he found out that his mother-in-law had cancer. And there's a very good chance that Mary's not going to make it. The cancer's now gone into her bones. She's experiencing a great deal of pain. It's not looking very good for her. It was in 2018, right here at the end, after the wedding, that Dana has experienced all kinds of complications with the kidney stones that her body produces all the time. And they have not been able to relieve her of her pain. Since the beginning of October, she's had just day after day after day of kidney stone kind of pain. I've not had, well, actually, I did have one little tiny kidney stone. So I guess it was like giving birth to a baby. No. It was a little tiny kidney stone. I, I, don't, I don't even hardly remember the event, but she has big kidney stones all the time. Constant pain since the beginning of October. That's not been good. And so he said, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm expecting that 2019 is going to be a good year. The psalmist is praying for God's deliverance. Be with me. Bless me. I need you. I've become a sign to many. You are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. Why? Because God continues to bless him, even in the hard times. Don't cast me away when I'm old. Don't forsake me when my strength is gone. For my enemies speak against me. Those who wait to kill me conspire together. He's so dependent on God and needing God so badly to be with him. They think, the psalmist says, that you've forsaken me. But of course he hasn't forsaken him. And so blessing will come. Your righteousness, God, reaches to the heavens. Did we sing these words this morning in the first service? Your righteousness, God, reaches to the heavens. You've done great things. Who is like you, God? Though you have made me see troubles, many and bitter, you will restore my life again from the depths of the earth. You will again bring me up, he says. There are some in the room right now who have experienced at different times incredible anguish, 
hardship. Life hasn't been beautiful. It's been hard in so many ways. But like the psalmist, we rely on him. And because we do, he blesses us. We continue to pour out our hearts before him. We need to do that as we start 2019. Now I want you to turn to Acts chapter 1. And this is so important because this is the church actually responding specifically to Jesus and what he has in store for us. Do you remember what happened after Jesus gives the apostles the admonition in verse 8 of chapter 1? He says, I want you to go into all the world and be my witnesses, starting in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Right after that, Jesus is ascended. And that leaves the apostles completely on their own. And they've got to be thinking, what in the world are we going to do now? There he goes. And the angels are standing there. And the angels say to, to the apostles, why are you looking up into the heavens? He's going to come back just as you see him go now. Go and do what he told you to do. Now, if I was them, I'd be worried. But look at what they do in light of Jesus leaving. Verse 12. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath they walked from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. And look at the next verse. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And so Jesus leaves, and they don't know what to do. And so they go to the upper room, and they just start praying. Constantly, it says. That's next chapter 1. What happens next chapter 2? Lorene mouthed the words. What would you say? They were filled with the Holy Spirit from the very beginning of chapter 2. After they had prayed constantly, it says, in Acts chapter 1. So Jesus leaves and the church begins to pray and the Holy Spirit falls on them. And I have to think that there's a, a direct correlation between them praying the way they were and the Holy Spirit falling on them in the very next chapter of this book. So very few days went by and the Spirit falls on them. And from then on out, the Spirit is with the church, blessing them, allowing them to do wonderful things in the name of God because they continue to pray. Now look at Acts chapter 4, verse 23. Even though they're doing some good things, they end up getting arrested, which is not necessarily a good thing. So the Sanhedrin arrests them. Some of them anyway. And verse 23, it says, and they're eventually released, I should say. And then on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the prophet. Of the mouth of your servant, our father David, why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. 
Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of our holy servant Jesus. So they pray in response to being arrested. And then they get out and look at verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Why did that happen? Because they had been praying. If any of you gets arrested the next week, pray. Don't call the preacher for bail money. Pray. And God will bless you. And when I say bless you, I don't mean that he's going to shower down all kinds of material possessions on you. I simply mean that God is going to be with you. This is what he does. We pray and we ask him and he is with us. So it doesn't surprise me that 2018 was a good year for us in many ways because we prayed fervently at the end of 2017. Look at chapter 13, verse 1. This is one of my favorite stories in the book of Acts, just because it shows so clearly how much God wants to bless people who pray. It says, Now in the church in Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manion had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Now watch what happens here. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. The people fast and pray, and while they're fasting and praying, inquiring of God, God's Spirit comes and sets apart Barnabas and Saul for ministry, for missionary work, and sends out the first two missionaries directly in response to them praying and fasting. Then the Holy Spirit is the one who sends them out. Why is it the Holy Spirit is so present and right there sending them out? It's in a direct response to the church praying. You've probably heard this line. You do not have because you do not ask. And if we ask, God says, I will, I'll send forth the bounty of the heavens down upon you because you ask. And so that's why I'm so convinced that it's our inquiring of the Lord that will be the key element as to whether or not our church does the kind of things that we want to see get done in 2019. There's a sense in which there's some responsibility that we have for this, of course. But ultimately, God can transcend an awful lot of problems within humankind. And if he's present with us, as he will be if we pray good things are going to happen. 
But we have to be willing to inquire. Remember when I pulled out the, uh, I wasn't me, but we pulled out the Urim and the Thummim? Why was there a Urim and Thummim? So that God's people could stay in contact with him, requesting things of him. It required that the people ask things of God. And then it allowed them to. We have something so much better and so much greater than a Urim and a Thummim. We have the presence of the Holy Spirit allowing us to be in constant contact with God. Now, I think that what's happened for us as we approach 2019 is that God, through His Holy Spirit, has given us a vision for how we might connect with Him. And so for the first three months of 2019, we're going to go through an exercise called Connecting with God, where all of us are given the opportunity to connect with the Lord in special prayer venues, special guidance in praying, getting together occasionally to pray. God's going to let us, he's going to allow us, let us do these kind of things in 2019, which is going to put us in contact directly with him. So we're going to focus for the first three months, through the end of March, we're going to focus on personal connection, personal relationship with the Lord, especially through prayer. And I I hope, I'm praying, that you will make yourself available to the opportunities to seek Him in this way. And I'm absolutely convinced that if we give ourselves to this kind of effort for the first three months of 2019, that the next nine months after that are going to be filled with blessings that he's just going to keep showering his blessings down on us. Because that's what he does when a people decides that they're going to devote themselves to inquiry, to praying to him. God chooses to come. And so will we pray, and will we expectantly anticipate what it is that God is going to do? I pray that you do. And if we all do that together, 2019 is going to be a great year for our church. And I'm looking forward to it. I haven't seen the movie. But I am waiting for it with anticipation. Let's pray. Lord, I have no doubts but that you you want to bless your church. Like, this makes total sense to me, God, that you're wanting to bless your church. You're wanting to bless our church and every place that your church exists. You want to bless us. I believe you want to bless us with the presence of your spirit. I believe you want to bless us with the ability to accomplish things in your name and carry out your work in the kingdom. But you've also apparently chosen, from what I can tell, to make some of that at least a bit conditional on our response to you. Specifically, whether or not we come to you inquiring, praying, asking, seeking, knocking. And so I pray that you'd help us, God. I pray that you would help us to pray. 
Help us to inquire. Help us to connect with you in a way that causes you through your grace and love to make yourself present to us. Be present with us, God. We need you so badly. We pray these things through Jesus. Amen.